on signs and seasons. The second part uh, will not be next week. It'll probably be the week following. I think that it's important for us, first of all, let me encourage everyone to go vote. And when you vote and you step inside the booth, please remember that the only person in that booth is you and Jesus. Don't vote a party. Vote a conviction. You understand what I'm saying? I, I get, sometimes I get so tired of politics and I think, you know, we, we're Christians. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a Christian. And so when I vote, I go in praying and asking God what he wants. So when I mark a ballot, I'm asking him, what should I do? And I want to encourage you all to do that as well. Thank you. So the, the big question that comes up when we talk about signs and seasons and everybody is always geared to is when is he coming back? Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, when is he coming back? I can't tell you how many times I've been asked that question. I got asked that I was working a secular job and a guy came up to me and he said, he, I didn't tell him I was a Christian. He said, you're, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yeah. So, well, he could tell because you had on a suit. No, I, had, I was covered with grease from head to toe. I'd been working on a machine. And, but he said, he said, when's the Lord coming back? I said, man, I don't know. I said, he might come back in 50 years. He might come back in 10 years. I said, but he might come for you tonight. And he looked at me real odd, and I said, read the obituary column. He comes back for somebody every day. So the question isn't really, when is he coming back? The question is, are you ready? And so it, here's, here's the thing that uh, it troubles me when all of a sudden people start setting dates and, you know, and all that. And I can tell you up front that if you set a date, it's wrong. How do you know that? Because of what the Scripture says. Now, I'm going to, let me, let me get into it before I start giving spoiler alerts. Okay, so on, on this first part, I'm going to speak about the first of his signs. Everybody say that with me. The first of his signs. Now, this was, this was really, I, I can't tell you how this has ignited my heart because I was in the middle of my study and I had, I, I had notes prepared, and Ken and Karma, Karma, is that right? Sent me a, uh, some information in a documentary we started watching, and I thought, I told Debbie, I said, man, I cannot believe this. I, th this, is, this is part of my notes. This is, and so I thought about confirmation out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, and I'd never heard this before, so that's what really got me excited about it. The, I, I want to read Daniel chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, how great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Everybody say, say it with me, from generation to generation. He doesn't just speak to 
one generation, but he goes from generation to generation. Now, upon reading this, our first thought would be that this is Daniel, right? But it's not Daniel. It's a pagan king. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what he wrote concerning God. That his, how great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. You need to understand that the things that are getting ready to transpire and that have already transpired are not going to be hid in a corner. Everybody is going to know. Say it with me. He's going to make himself known. When Israel left Egypt, the Bible said that they went out with a high hand. We're not going to slip out of here. We're not just going to squeak by. God is going to take his church and, he's, and, and everybody's going to know it. Somebody say, everybody's going to know. Okay. Now, so we're not going to ask a question about when he's coming back. But I am going to ask a question. Are you ready for him to come? Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? Now, let's read Mark 13, 32 and 33. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. We don't know the day or the hour, but we do know the season. Everybody say it with me. I know the season. Now let's take a look at Matthew 24, 37 to 39. But as, of the, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah, everybody say like the days of Noah, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until that day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. We know, oh, take a look at now, 24 and 42 says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour, everybody say hour, the Lord comes. So we don't know the hour, but we know the season. So I want to ask you a question today. Not just are you ready, but let me ask this question. Why is he coming back? Because the Bible said that in those last days, people would say he's the latest coming. That, you know, oh, I've heard that all my life. It's not going to happen. It's hard for you to believe it's going to happen if you don't know the why it's going to happen. And so you need to understand the why. It's kind of like, have you ever had somebody walk up and slap you? Anybody? Boy, I did. I was in the middle of a church service. I had a preacher preach and walked up and slapped me right in the face while he was preaching. I'd never used an illustration like that. <laughs> But he did. And God is my witness. I don't know how I would respond. Well, what did you do? Right before this guy's preaching, and I'm telling you 
that all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me while I'm sitting in that pew and he said, that man is going to slap you in the face. I no sooner heard that in my spirit than he walked down those steps and slapped me in the face and I turned the other cheek. Now, if God had not prepared me, I'm not sure what I would have done. <laughs> I, uh, everybody say, turn the other cheek. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying this, we're all human, right? And so I want to make sure that if that's going to happen to me, that I'm ready. How many of you have had, had something happen that you weren't ready for? You know what I mean? Like somebody cut you off in traffic and you, 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 you just gave them that brotherly wave. We got to be ready. And we need to know the why behind it. So I thought about this in that, that passage I read. It said, as it was in the days of Noah. So I want you to consider this. How was it in the days of Noah? Wickedness. Evil, the Bible said that every man's imagination was evil continually. In other words, people didn't have the ability to think a good thought. They, they were corrupt and they were evil. But oddly enough, Jesus doesn't cite that in that scripture. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, but he doesn't talk about the evil in Noah's day. Instead, he talks about marrying and given in marriage. And when I was studying this, I got to looking at that and I thought, there, there's got to be something about this. What's going on? Why is it that he doesn't say anything about the evil, but he starts talking about marrying and giving in marriage? And as I begin to dig into this, I started to discover the why. And so when I went from that and I thought, okay, what is there about marriage and giving in marriage? Because it's got to be something significant. And then I remembered his first miracle. As a matter of fact, let's read this. This is in John 2.11. This is in the Amplified Version. I want you to hear what he says. This, the first of his signs, attesting miracles, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory, displaying his deity and his great power openly. And his disciples believed confidently in him as the Messiah, they adhered to, trusted in, and relied on him. I want you to get that phrase, the first of his signs. The first of his signs begins over a cup of wine. I want you to remember that because that's significant. Now think about this. You would think that the first sign or the first miracle, in King James it says the first miracle Jesus did, but that word in Greek means sign. So the first sign that Jesus did, the first sign that he showed is at a wedding and it's surrounded by a cup of wine. And I begin to think about that and I thought there's got to be something to this. So as I started digging, that's why I got excited about the confirmation. When I started digging into this, I found out that there's something different about the Galilean wedding than there is all other weddings, even other Jewish weddings. 
Think about this. He's called the man from Galilee. His disciples are all in that region. Two-thirds of the gospel take place in that, that region called Galilee. And so, to understand more about this, we've got to take into consideration the culture. Because when Jesus spoke to people in his day, he spoke to them surrounding their culture so that they would understand it. We read it in a Western hemisphere understanding, and we miss so much of Scripture because we're not seeing what he's really saying. But they understood perfectly what he's saying because they're Galileans. So they understood the culture. They understood everything surrounding that. So today I want to take a look at the wedding and show you something that's so profound to me because as I begin to study, what I discovered is that, every, that, that everything that's in this wedding Jesus will refer to throughout his ministry talking about his return. The first thing that happened, Jazz, if you, are you ready? The first thing that would happen is when there was a marriage between, that, that happened in Galilee, there was a written proposal of marriage. Everybody say, it is written. There's a written proposal of marriage. And what would happen is that proposal would be given to the bride and her father. And they would look at the terms of the covenant. Everybody say the covenant. Now, according to the terms of the covenant, there would be a decision made. But it wasn't just the terms of the covenant. There was also a dowry involved. Everybody say a price that was paid. He's not, he, he's not purchasing a person. Or if you will, let me say it this way. He's not buying a bride. He's taking care of a bride. There's a huge difference. The dowry was given... So that if anything happened to the groom, the bride would be taken care of. Think of it kind of as an insurance policy. So that he presents a dowry. Now, this is what makes this unique because the, in, in all other weddings, you know, in, in the Middle East, the father's making the determination, but not so in the Galilean wedding. It's the bride that makes the determination. She's the one that decides whether or not she's going to agree to the terms of the covenant. And so what would happen is they would look over the terms of the covenant and then a, a vase would be given or a pitcher given to the groom and he would pour that out. He would pour wine out of that into a cup and then he would take the cup and he would pass the cup to his bride. Now here, the bride is going to make a determination. If the bride accepts the terms of the proposal, of the engagement, then she will receive the cup 
and drank from it. If she does not, she can push it back and say, I don't want it. The scripture said, whosoever will, let them come. This is not by restraint. God isn't forcing you to accept him. He's giving you the opportunity. Whosoever will, let them come. And all of a sudden, so she pass, he passes that to her. She would take it. If she agrees to the term, she then takes and drinks from that cup. And then she would pass it back to the groom. The groom then would take and he would drink from the cup. And when he drank from the cup, it would seal the deal. Give her a hand, would you? I need some tissue. So what would happen then is after the groom drank from the cup, now think about this. It's one cup that they're drinking from. Everybody say one cup. As a matter of fact, it's, it's one piece of bread that they ate. Everybody say one bread. So in other words, it's like a, it, it, it's a, it's common to both of them. As a matter of fact, the thinking was, is that what is in you is now in me. Jesus said, it's necessary for me to go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter's not going to come. And do you understand? He said, I am with you, but I shall be in you. So now, he, it, they're, they're having a, it's a, it's a common cup. I shared in the last service, I, I, I got into this when I was in Russia. I, I was in Russia doing mission work, and they were getting ready to do communion. They had this one cup, man, there's like 200 people in there. Everybody is going to drink from the same cup. I happened to be in the back of the room at the time. I was just, I, I had just got back and I had, I, I bought some train tickets and I got back and I was looking in there and I saw what was going on. I thought, I'm just going to hang out here in the lobby till they're done. Because dental hygiene wasn't that great over there. I mean, I, I, there's some... I, I, I got to stay with her. I'm going to get off track here. But. So I waited till everybody's done. Then once everybody got done, I, I went back to my seat, which was in the front, kind of like I'm positioned with you now. And, and I, I'm, I, except that we were down on the floor and they had us facing the, the audience. And I'm, I'm down there. I'm standing up. I got my eyes closed and I'm praising God. When I open my eyes, there's a man in front of me with that cup. So now I get to drink from the cup that everybody has already drank from. Everybody say that was known as a common union because what was ever in you is now in me. <laughs> Think about it though a common union, or if you will, communion. Now, something else happened here that's powerful. Because once the groom drank from the cup, he would then make a statement. And he would, he would turn and he would say to his bride, you are now consecrated to me by the laws of Moses. And I will not drink of this cup again until I drink it new with you in my father's house. Does that not sound familiar to you? 
You see, this is exactly what Jesus does at the Last Supper. Think of it. He begins his ministry with a, the first of his signs is a cup in his hand, and the last of his signs is a cup in his hand. He drank from that cup, he, he gave that cup to them, and he would drink from that cup himself. And he makes this statement he said, I will not drink this cup with you again until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Do you understand that when the disciples heard that, they knew exactly what that meant? They knew that was in reference of a wedding. What he was saying is, I've made, when he took the cup, what did he say? He said, drink this. He said, this is my blood, which is a new covenant with you. And so when he, when he gives that to them and they're hearing these words, they immediately understand it. It's clear to them. It's like if I brought someone up here and I said, okay, well, you know, we're going to have a, we're going to have a dedication and, and, and so what I, and, and I bring them up and, and I, I say, you know, and I, I, I say, uh, do you promise to be true to this person and, and do, do you promise to take care of them and, and, and to watch over them, you know, and all that? And then I, I say, until death do you part, what are you going to do? You're immediately going to think, he's doing a wedding ceremony. These are words out of a wedding ceremony. Do you understand that he had had communion with them before, but he never said these words? This is the first time that he speaks these words to them, and he's speaking it at what we refer to as the Last Supper. He's letting them know, I'm getting ready to, I, I, I'm getting ready to go away, but I'm making you a promise that I am going to drink this cup with you again in my Father's kingdom. Now, stay with me here because this then is what would happen. He said the, uh, after the bride and groom drank the cup, an engagement would follow that lasted, just like with Mary and Joseph, you remember? He's a spouse to her, and it says she was found with child. That, that, that engagement would last about a year. Sometimes it was a little longer. But during that year, as soon as the ceremony's over, the proposal is over, then the engagement began, and the engagement would go on for a year. And at that point, the bride has to keep herself pure. Everybody say pure. See, that, you remember the law? Joseph could have had Mary stoned. Because he ha she has to keep herself pure. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 to flee sexual immorality. Why? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. What's he saying? There has been a dowry given for you. Paul is referencing this. He said there's a dowry that's been paid for you. You're, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. And so now we've, been, we've entered into a new covenant. So we have to stay true to the covenant. Once that, that, once that ceremony's over... The groom would go away, 
And he would go to build a room onto his father's house where he would take his bride for the wedding ceremony. Does that not ring a bell to you? I think about St. John 14 and 2. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. It's translated rooms. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself that where I am, you can be also. Do you... Do you get this? Do you understand what he's saying during this whole thing? It's all about this marriage ceremony, his proposal to us, and he spends his entire ministry showing it in sign after sign after sign. I don't know the hour, but my friend, I know the season. During the engagement period, the bride is busy. She's gathering different pieces of fine garment to make her dress. Sometimes this could take months. It's not like there's a bridal shop in town. You can't run down to the local bride's shop and pick out a wedding dress. She had to make her own. And she would gather different pieces of material, and it had to be white. It had to be it, 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 it had to be of the finest quality, and she would use the dowry that had been given to buy this. And sometimes she would wait for months for merchants to come into town because she couldn't get what she wanted with everyone. And then, now, now think about that. So she's preparing a dress. Look at Revelation 19, 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come And his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Come on in. So around a year would pass. Now think about this. Around a year would pass, but neither the groom nor the bride knew when the wedding was going to happen. The only person that knew when the wedding was going to happen was the groom's father. The Bible said that no man knows the hour or the time, not the angels, not the son, but only the father. This is a type and shadow of this ceremony. And now, Everything's ready. So the son goes to the father and he said, everything's been made. Everything's ready, dad. Everything's ready. And he's waiting with anticipation. The bride is as well. She's sleeping in her wedding dress because she doesn't know the day or the hour that it's going to happen. They know the season, but they don't know the day or the hour. So every night she's sleeping in that dress because she wants to be prepared her the attendants to her wedding are also sleeping in their wedding garments and they have their lamps filled with oil because there's one thing that we know we don't know the day or the hour but according to custom and tradition we know that he almost always came at night 
So they had the lamps filled with oil so that when he would come, they could light the way home. That's right. That's a confirmation. (laughs) Everybody say it with me. Almost always at night. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2. But at the times and the seasons, everybody say seasons. We have no need to write to you. What's he saying? He's saying, you know the season. You've got that down. You know the season. Now watch what he says. For you yourselves perfectly know that the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. Are you ready? She slept in that dress, anxiously awaiting for the groom to come. Can you fathom the sun? He knows he's already prepared everything. I go away to prepare a place. It's done. I'm telling you, it's done. We're not waiting for Jesus to prepare a place. He's done. What are we waiting for? The only thing we're waiting for is for the Father to tell him, go and get your bride. Well, when's that going to happen? No one knows. They don't know the hour. They don't know the day. But my friend, we are in the season. We are in the season. The next part of this series, I'm going to talk about the season that we're in. We are in the season. So then all of a sudden, the father, think about this. He looks at the son and he says, okay, middle of the night, go get your bride. The son would jump up. He would take all of his friends with him. They would go down the street. Give me that picture. They would go down the street. He is blowing a shofar, a horn. This is in the, that's, that picture is in the daytime. This happens in the middle of the night. He's, he's going down the street. He's blowing the shofar, and he is announcing to his bride, I'm coming for you. I'm coming. She would hear that. She would begin to get up and gather her stuff. She would go out and she would stand in the street waiting for his arrival. But my friend, she's not the only one that heard it. Everybody else heard that announcement. A wedding's taking place. A Galilean wedding was not by invitation. It was a whosoever will wedding. Do you understand? There were not invitations sent out. It was anybody in that town that heard that blast that could get themselves together and get to the wedding before the door closed because the door is going to close. They would come and they would, give me that picture again. They would come and they would would bring what was called a a litter. What did I call it? Yeah, a litter. A litter, not a litter box, a litter. It was, the litter was a, they, they would set that down and then the bride would step into it. And the men that were with him would pick up the bride and lift her into the air 
and carry her to the father's house. Thank you. Oh, you, you didn't get that. <laughs> you didn't get that or you'd be excited. Let me help you out with that. This is found in Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And we shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Somebody hear what I'm saying. The first of his sign. And my friend, we are living in the last of the last day. And now he has drank the cup he's just waiting for the okay go get your bride when they got to the father's house they went in and the doors closed as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be in the coming of the son of man Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. And when Noah entered the ark, the Lord shut the door. Once the door is shut, nobody goes out, nobody gets in. Are you ready? You remember me talking to you about her attendance? Matthew 25th chapter. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be in likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. How did they know? They heard the horn. Go out to meet him. Verse 10. And while they went to buy you, let me just. So they hear it. They jump up. And according to Scripture, half of those girls aren't ready. Now, this is important for you to get because when Jesus speaks this parable, he's speaking it to the church, not to the unbeliever. It's to the church. And this is what Jesus is saying. Half of the church isn't even going to be ready when the trumpet sounds. 50% of those girls didn't have oil. Why? Why? Why does that happen? You could answer that question as easily as I can. Because people start saying he's delayed his coming. Oh, he's not going to come back. It's, it's not going to happen. And so we get at ease in Zion and we forget and we get unprepared. That bride is sleeping in her wedding dress because she believes the promise and the covenant that he entered into with her. She knows that he's going to come. She doesn't know the hour, but she knows the season. Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. You can't live for God on your own. You need the Spirit of God. The Bible said that the letter killeth, but the Spirit maketh alive. It gives life. We need his Spirit. What's Jesus say? Jesus said it's necessary that I go away because if I don't go away, the comforter's not coming. He said, I am with you, but I shall be in you. One bread, one cup, communion.
I shall be in you. I want you, if you would, to get your element out today. I want you to think about this. Because the cup that we take today has great significance. This is not only a sign of his death, as he spoke of. He said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. You're showing forth the Lord's death. It's not just the sign of his death. It's a sign of his union with us. Common union, communion. What's in me is now in you. I am with you, but I shall be in you. It's also a sign of his promise. I'm coming back for you. I will not drink this cup again until I drink it with you new in my Father's kingdom. Say, why? Why is he coming? What's the purpose of his coming? He's coming to fulfill his promise to us. And he's coming. You remember the dowry that he gave? It was a provision. It was to take care of her. What he gave us, his spirit is enough to care for us in this season. But there's another season coming that he's got to get us out of. The Bible said that we've not been called under wrath. He's coming back to deliver us from the wrath of God that's going to come on the face of this world. Now, friend, you can look at me and go cross-eyed if you want to, but you mark this preacher's words. As sure as me, you see me standing before you, one day you're going to find yourself standing before God. I want to go in that rapture. I want, I want to make sure that when he comes at that midnight hour, he's the one that told us. He said, you don't know what time the Lord comes. Watch. Be prepared. The people that were in that town that scrambled to try and make it to that wedding and they came too late and the door was shut and no matter how hard they beat on it or how loud they yelled, it would not open to them. When the Lord shut the door of the ark, Noah and his family could not open it back up. They may have heard, their, I'm sure they did, they heard friends screaming. They heard people they cared for screaming, but they wouldn't believe that it was going to happen. And now they're locked out to face the wrath that's going to come. God hasn't changed his mind, and he hasn't changed his promises. He's coming. He's coming. You ought to be excited about that. He's coming. Turn around, look at your neighbor and smile real big. He's coming. Hey, this will blow your neighbor's mind. Smile at him and look at him and say, he's coming for me. 
He's coming for me. I'm not sure. I hope you go, but he's coming for me. You got it? You get it? Because he entered into a covenant with me. Whosoever will, let him come. Would you stand with me right now? So when we take communion today, I hope it has more meaning for you. I hope you understand that now we're not just showing forth his death, but we're holding on to his promise. Common union. Communion. Father, today we recognize as we partake of the bread that it's your body that was broken for us you made a promise to us at the very beginning the first of your signs was a marriage and you told us about that union all through your ministry They didn't force you into a beating. You gave your back to the smiters because you had given your heart to us. So today, we take of the bread and we say thank you. The cup that you extended that day and told us it was a new covenant. It was your blood. And we were entering into a new covenant with you. We didn't push it away. Sadly, God, many have. You're not going to force anyone into this marriage but you the spirit has said come the bride says come whosoever will let him come and drink we thank you for the new covenant of your promise in Jesus name now, hear me, and those of you watching online today, I hope you hear what I'm saying. Right now, it's not too late. The door is still open. But I'm telling you, we're in the season when the door is getting ready to close. When I started doing mission work in Russia, I told people, I said, I don't know how long this door will be open. I said, but I do know that it will close one day. So we have to do all we can while we can. If you haven't given your heart to God, if you're in this building and you've never given your heart to God and you want to make sure that when the trumpet sounds, that you're ready for the wedding. I don't want to be on the ground doing this. I want his spirit to bear me up, carry me away. They, they, Kathy brought a, uh, 
Bailey, Kathy Bailey brought a, what's that thing called? It was like one of those things you put on your head. That's a 360. Yeah, reality thing. It's not really reality, but it just makes you think you're there. Virtual reality. So you put it on your head. She brought it by the other day and I put that on my head. And I'm telling you, I, I, was, I was flying a helicopter right out here in the lobby. I was looking all around. There were mountains. So I never experienced anything like that in my life. I looked all around and Todd said, turn around. I thought, what do you mean turn around? I said, turn around, turn around. I'm thinking, what's he? I turned around and I could see everything behind me. It was, it was, it was a 360. I could see everything. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. He's put this throughout all scripture, trying to get us to see it everywhere they understood it it wasn't it it wasn't confusing to them it was their culture but we've gone 2,000 years now something else about this wedding I want to share and then we're going to pray at that wedding in Galilee they ran out of wine to run out of wine means the party's over. Mary went and got Jesus and said, they have no wine. Hear what I'm going to say. He goes in and he said, it's not my time. And he said, she looked at him and said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. There were six stone pots there they held 20 to 30 gallons apiece I want to talk to you about the season we're in there was a seven day creation and most scholars agree that human history that the seven day creation is a type and shadow of human history that there will be 6,000 years of man. And then in the seventh year, we enter into the millennial. There were six pots at the wedding. The days of man. They had run out of wine. The first Adam failed us. But another Adam came. The, f- the first of his signs is to go get the wedding right. <laughs> he steps in, and when we're about out of time, we're empty. He said, fill him up. <laughs> and then he takes that cup one last time with the disciples that night. And he says, now I'm not going to drink this again. Not going to be any more filling empty pots. I'm not going to drink from this cup again until I drank it new with you in my Father's kingdom. If you're here and you've never given your heart to God, I want you right now, if you would, I, I would encourage you to come to the front to pray this prayer, but you don't have to. You can pray it where you're at. The reason I encourage people to come to the front is because at some point in time in your life, you have to make up your mind that you're not going to be embarrassed 
or ashamed of the gospel. Because Jesus said, if, if you're ashamed of me in front of men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. Why do you really care that much about what folks say about you? People made fun of you before you ever got saved. Don't let it hold you back. But right now, those that are watching online and those of you that are in here, if you've never prayed this prayer, I'm asking you to pray this with me from the depths of your heart. Somebody said, Pastor, it couldn't be that easy. It wasn't. He paid the price so you could make the wedding. Would you pray with me now, Father? I'm asking you to save me. I can't make it on my own. I turn away from my old way of living and I say yes to you right now. I believe with all my heart that Jesus gave his life for me, that you rose him from the grave on the third day, and that you're going to do the same for us. So right now, in front of everyone that's watching, I say yes. Yes, Lord. I claim you as my Lord and Savior, and I receive you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give me a hand clap of praise in here? Those of you that are watching, I hope if you prayed that prayer that you'll shoot us a line or send us a, a comment online and let us know that you've done that. Those of you that are in here, I want you to hear what I'm going to say, and I'm going to let you go. I don't know the day, and I don't know the hour, but I'll guarantee you we are in the season. The next message I share with you, I'm going to start laying out signs that God has shown throughout time and signs that he has shown currently to show where we're at and that his return is imminent. He's coming back. Now, some of us may never even live to see rapture. You may go before then. If you do, you get to go first when he gets here. Your grave, I will not be having a picnic on your grave come rapture because you're coming out. That could never happen. It already did once. Those folks in Jerusalem went out. I wonder what they felt when all of a sudden the ant they put away a week ago showed up at their door for supper. <laughs> He's done it. He's going to do it again. The question is, are you ready? Why is he coming? Because he loves you. And my friend, we are not called unto wrath. He's coming back to save us from the wrath of God that's going to be poured out on this world. Somebody shout, yes! 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 I'm going up. Now, hear me. I plan to take as many people with me as I possibly can. 
you ever notice that there's always a twist? There's always, that the devil always tries to mimic or imitate something. All these suicide bombers, they're trying to take as many out with them as they can. But friend, where they're winding up, I don't want to be. But let me tell you, I'm going to take as many with me as I can because I'm getting ready to go home. Somebody shout it. Yes, sing it. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Make his face shine on you. And may you wake up in a new day, in a new glory, in a new power, in a new covenant, in Jesus' name. Make a dead man walk again. Oh, Open the grave. 